Yes, we did it. <laughs> yes, sir. Ladies and gents, this is Amdi Podcast. And um, man, I'm really excited to have this guest tonight. As a matter of fact, when I first started the podcast, he was one of the first ones in mind that I that, 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 that had to be here. Um, so ladies and gents, a, a quick rundown real quick before I get into his history. I just want to I just want to say how I met this man and the impact he's had on my life for the past three years for sure. So I met him through a, a friend, a close friend in San Diego um, that I know for years. And um, she just happened to find out that I was pursuing acting. And she said, Marlon, my cousin pursues acting. Oh, my God, you guys got to link up. Uh, traded contacts from there. And from there, ladies and gents, uh, I'm inspired seeing another brown-skinned man in, in Southern California, in the United States of America, pursuing something that not a lot of us do. And um, he's definitely been an encouraging friend. Someone who's never left my side when I was in doubt if I should pursue acting or not definitely gave me all the gems that I needed to expect in acting. Um, man, he's born and raised in Hollywood, got a degree in UC Berkeley. Um, definitely had his experience in um, acting classes like the United Citizens Brigade and the After Workout Studio. Um, he's definitely had some remarkable work in theater. Uh, he did a play called Always Running for about it was like a 12 week run right man it was uh, from was August like 12 week yeah. August 28th to December 15th wow so, so for about shit four four months yeah for four, four 30 shows um, we did 30 shows 30 shows definitely got a supporting role in the film called An Echo Park um, uh, a really dope indie film called Floor um, he was in the film called Rip and Burn 1 and 2. I really enjoy part 2, by the way. Um, and he definitely landed a very significant role in East of La Brea. And I've seen the reels, ladies and gents. Um, he is definitely making rounds in Hollywood. And one of the hottest upcoming actors out here in the scene, Rufino Romero, what up, dog? Hey, how you doing, brother? It's good to hear your voice, man. Thanks for the uh, the invitation, brother. Thanks for the time. Um, first off, how has 2020 been treating you, dog? Well, you know, it's a, it's a challenge. Like all of us, you know, we're trying to get through it. I'm trying to get through it. Um, uh, but I'm not going to lie to you, brother. I'm actually... This has been a year of growth a lot. Um metaphysically and physically and uh especially when it comes to being able to sharpen a lot of tools specifically tools within the uh acting world um but it's it's been good brother just trying to learn how to how to navigate and i think you know as well as many artists know that uh, one of the best things we could do in just life in general is adapt <laughs> so i've been adapting this whole year and i've been that's that's been the the key uh the word theme of the year just adapt <laughs> so before we get into your history Rufino let's take it back to day one real quick um how did your family um even and end up in Hollywood how did your family start migrating to LA oh, um I try to I try to make this as comeback uh, compact as possible brother <laughs> um so my family's Salvadorian and mm -hmm. uh, they came over here during the Civil War in the 80s. 
And um, yeah, like you mentioned, actually, uh, me, I was actually born and raised in Hollywood. Um, went to Hollywood High, born Hollywood Presbyterian. Like I'm, I'm, I literally grew up two blocks away from the man's Chinese theater. Back when the Kodak Theater was just a liquor store and a Bank of America bank. <laughs> Sick. So um, we 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 went to Hollywood and we migrated there because at the time, the '80s and '90s, um, I'm pretty sure many people who actually go and visit Hollywood, you realize it's not studios and the walk of fame and and movie stars in all of hollywood that's just literally one block the rest of hollywood is just like a lot of apartments liquor stores and um pretty much the hood like a it's a very very hidden hood when it comes to people who aren't from la but it was a barrio you know it was a working class uh, city and uh it would the apartments were very inexpensive there back in the 90s um, and the houses. So luckily, my family was able to move in there and uh, stayed there in Yucca, uh, over there in Highland and Sunset. And uh, long story short, we were able to get together. Everyone started working. I grew up over there and and lived there ever since. Now, um, you know, everyone started migrating in different places. We got family in Compton, Echo Park, South Central, uh, Oregon, Seattle, Spain, like everywhere, Salvador. Um, and yeah, and I, I grew up there the majority of my life and funny part. And I think I told you this too, Marlon. I never, when I was growing up, I never wanted to act. <laughs> that, that's the trippy part. I never wanted to act, dude. Like I, I could say that with full confidence and like authenticity. I never wanted to act, dude. I never wanted to act. And I think I that's told you I told you, I'm pretty sure I told you this. Um, yeah. because no one, no one looked like me on the screen. Mm. You know? Let me ask you this, Rufino. How many siblings you got? Uh, I got one brother. One brother from my mom's side that I grew nice. up with. Yeah. Um, okay, Let, let's take it back to childhood years real quick. So how was it like growing up in Hollywood with all the, you know, like, you know, you're right down there from the scene of like the movie theaters and all that. <clears throat> was it was it fun? Was it dangerous? Was it exciting? Like, oh, man. like what, I... what, did, what did it do for your imagination, dog? Um... Honestly, brother, it was, uh, like I said, it was the hood, man. Um, where uh, East Hollywood, a lot of people who, who grew up in L.A. and Hollywood, like anyone who grew up in L.A. knows that Hollywood was a mix and match of just a lot of bad stuff. Shit. Yeah, it was just bad, man. There was, uh, there was a crack epidemic that hit the 90s, like really bad in L.A., the meth epidemic. Um, and we had uh, race wars and gang wars. It was it was pretty bad. There was um, I ended up growing up during the war between uh, MS and 18th Street, and um, like I remember people getting stabbed at the In and Out that everyone loves in Hollywood. Like, oh, it's right there on on <coughs> Hollywood and Orange. Like, this is so cool. And, like, everyone thinks it's nice, and all I think about is like t- the time like a homie I knew got stabbed. Like. Uh, from one crew to another crew, I remember a McDonald's over there on Sunset and Highland uh, where cops wouldn't even stop there because it was nothing but a whole bunch of guys from gangs, different gangs. And if you go there, you would either get in a fight, you get stabbed, you get shot, or you get jumped. Um, and there was just people posted on reconnaissance there, you know, from the hood, you know, uh, selling drugs or whatnot. So it was a lot of mixing of, of poverty, drugs, 
prostitution like there's there was prostitution all over hollywood because a lot of people don't know this unless you grew up in la and hollywood but hollywood from highland all the way to western there's a there was a lot of venues there were porn theaters like the old school like how uh peewee herman got caught like at a per- <laughs> Dude, that's all Hollywood was. Every flock was a porn theater. It's like it was like Las Vegas. That's what Hollywood was. It was just like prostitution, drugs, gangs, and porn theaters. That's oh what my Hollywood God. was. Fuck. And so, um, my brother was older, so he 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 got the he got the he uh, he's eight years older than me, so he got to see. Uh, Hollywood and LA in the early 90s like really rough I grew up in the late 90s and 2000s in Hollywood but it was it was pretty bad man and so that provided um, just my background man when it came to the imagination you know talking like from the barrio knowing where not to walk how to walk you know I think there was a friend of mine from New York that said uh, people from Southern California are the only people that walk while keeping an eye on their shadow <laughs> and, and I'm like, damn, you know, that's, that's pretty true. <laughs> like, it's messed up to say, but it's pretty true, you know. So, um, that influenced my background. That's what I grew up in. I, I was never part of a gang. I did try to get recruited. They tried to recruit me a handful of times because um, I was a big boy and and I had a lot of rage and stuff like that. But um, luckily, never got into gangs. I got into trouble here and there, but luckily, came out unscathed and. Uh, was able to to hold it down for for the family, friends, and for myself. To be honest, to to be where I'm at right now. Good shit, bro. He's a real one. Like, yo, don't get this Hollywood shit fucked up. He's a real one. <laughs> you know, Rafino about to take all the white girls away, motherfucker. Nah, nah, man. You be. I'm just playing. Be careful with those white women, man. I'm, I'm just I'm saying. Playing. Be careful with um, women in general, like. <laughs> um, la- la- ladies, ladies, we're playing. We love you, ladies. We're playing. We're playing. Um, okay. So, Ruth, man, like. And by the way, ladies and gents, when I say he's one of the illest um, upcoming actors out here coming up in um, the L.A. scene and, and just in Hollywood, like, I'm really impressed with the diversity of characters he's landed. Um, I think me and Rufino always build off the phone about this, like, the misrepresentation of um, the roles we can get, the, misrepresenta- and the misrepresentation of the typecasting that we get. Um, so... In junior high, taking junior high, high school years, like if you weren't into acting, what were you into? What, like, did you? What were sports that you played, or what did you and the homies do growing up, especially high school? Man, in junior high, I'm not gonna lie, I was a skater. I was a skater punk. Good. Um, oh, dope, dope. I would uh, because uh, I grew up in Hollywood, and so from a young young age, I knew about the Sunset Strip. And there was like the Whiskey Go Go, the Key Club, the uh, House of Blues, the uh, um, the Viper Room, uh, the Knitting Factory for a lot of old school cats. Um, that there used to be a lot of MCs that would go up there, like Guru from Gangstar performed there, like uh, at the Knitting Factory back in the day. Um, and so I was just, I was just a skate kid. Like I tried to skate, I was horrible at it, but like. I just rolled around the streets with, with my homies and just skated it around and listened to punk rock and go to punk shows for like five bucks. Um, that's, that was in junior high. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to lie, man. Like 
I, I drank. I drank at a young age. I drank in like with my friends while skating and and um, going to parties and and you know like um, just just go to backyard parties or go to like fl- uh, not flyer parties necessarily, but like they were they were kind of like flyer parties where like they would invite a whole bunch of people and then you would go and. Um, so that was half half of my junior high. The other half, honestly, was I I had a I had a rough rough background because um, there was a parent separated at, at a young age. Brother was going through a lot, and uh, I was going through a lot myself. So I the other half of myself was just I I isolated myself. I um I stayed away from people. I, I honestly I'm not gonna lie. Um, I, I now looking at it in retrospect, I was going through a depression, and uh, yeah. I went through a, a period of suicide. Um, For real? Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna lie about it, um, because it's you know to be honest about it, as a teenager and dealing with a whole bunch of stuff, I was lucky that um, music, music at the time, and movies were my savior. They were my escape, and this was also included in high school. It got really bad in high school where. I almost took myself out at 16, but um, movies and music, um, like my favorite movie to this day is Road to Perdition, just the music and, and the vision and the, like the visualness and the story, it's, it allowed me to escape and, um, you know, rest in peace, but Tupac, Tupac, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to lie, man, uh, what was it, Thug's Mansion, that song, the acoustic version with Nas, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm never free, dude. If it wasn't for that song, man, I'm not gonna lie. I wouldn't be here. I, I would. I, I was gonna take myself out, and then that song was ringing in my head when I almost did. And um, I was lucky. I was grateful for it. And um, so I went through a lot of depression. I went through some episodes of self harm. Um, I was able to get out of it. Um, then at the same time, you know, living in the in the hood, being raised up by a single mother. Uh, brother in a lot of trouble and um, my escape was yeah just punk rock movies music is it's like I, I made an internal world for myself and uh, the biggest thing though that saved me in high school that was mostly junior high but in high school uh, football nice you played football yeah American football like four years it was my outlet to be able to dope uh uh, it's messed up to say, but it is what it is. I'm not gonna lie about it. Uh, it it was my permission to hurt someone legally. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it was my way, my outlet to get out a lot of aggression. And you know, I never really want, never want to hurt someone, but just it was a way for me to get out aggression, and it helped me. It helped me, and I'll I'll say it to this day. I also believe that football uh, was a part of saving my life, and it's it's taught me a lot of lessons till this day as an adult. So, those were my um, middle school and high school years, man. Nice. And what would you say, like, if you could name three movies, even though you weren't pursuing acting yet, if you could name three movies that really helped you out and inspired you in high school, what would it be? Holy Man, Road to Perdition, and Clerks Two. And who? <laughs> nice. And what, uh-huh. and what are the actors that even though you were pursuing it then like growing up like what no matter how old you were who were like the first three actors that you were really like oh shit like 
<laughs> even though you weren't subconsciously pursuing it yet, but just looking back, what are the movies that had an actors that had an effect on you? Denzel Washington, Will Smith, and uh, hmm, yeah, Tom Hanks. I gotta say, Tom nice. Hanks. Yeah. So, hey, dog, you graduate high school. What's the plan? What's in your mind? Thinking, what? Are, what are you gonna do after high school? What are you thinking? Shit, I was planning to just keep on playing football, man. To be uh, honest, yeah. Um, long story short, uh, I had a friend that uh, he was like, "Go, you know, come with me to take a placement test at Santa Monica College." I'm like, "All right, fine, whatever." I went with him. He's like, "Take the test." I'm like, "Nah, I don't want to." He's like, "We're well, you're gonna have to play college football. You have to take a placement test." And um, at the time, my coach, he was telling me to go to Nebraska State because he was trying to get me. Uh, I was offered a scholarship to go play football over there. Yeah. But I uh, I denied it because I was like, dude, it's Nebraska. I don't know Nebraska. I'm a kid, I'm a kid from Hollywood. What the hell am I going to do with like <laughs> cornfields and like tipping cows and all that shit? Yeah. Um, so I didn't want to. You know, I was a young kid. I didn't want to at the time. So long story short, I took... Uh, I just went with the ride. My, my my friend convinced me to go to Santa Monica College, went there, and realized that probably football wasn't going to, I wasn't going to get in the NFL, but <clears throat> um, yeah, I still wanted to go to college because it was a way to escape my neighborhood and it was a, sca- a way to escape my house. And so um, I, I went to college and fell in love with a lot of the... the uh, the information that I was studying, specifically like oh. black and brown history, uh, political science, uh-huh. philosophy, sociology, psychology, studied that. And before I knew it, three years passed and I did a transfer to UC Berkeley and, and uh, graduated with a legal studies degree, major in legal studies and a minor in ethnic studies. So, so hold up, let's talk about this. So you go to UC Berkeley, What? how many years did you go there? For Berkeley, I went three years. <clears throat> wow. So, what was your degree? What was your? Did you have a bachelor's or ma- master's? What was your degree? Yeah, it was a bachelor's. It was a bachelor's wow. uh, major in, in legal studies uh, for law, pre-law, and minor in ethnic studies. So, what was your experience like in Berkeley, bro? Especially in those programs. Um, I was one of the very few brown faces when it came to the uh, law classes. That was funny. <laughs> I, uh, I was just talking to my homegirl about it the other day. Um, there was a lot of times I had to stand up for uh, brown folk in the correction of the discussion of brown culture. Yeah. There would be these like these discussions in law classes or pre-law classes or sociology classes about Salvadorians are only in this part of Los Angeles or growing up in the hood, cops act like this. And I would always raise up my hand. I'm like, no, they don't. No, they stop you for anything. No, they pull out the gun on you for anything. Trust me, I was 15 years old and I was driving a Geo Metro and they confused my car for a gray Honda. Trust me, they it does not happen like that as it's read in the books or in the articles. Um, and so I was always kind of, that was uh, half of my experience when it came to the, the programs. So there was a lot of discussion, a lot of learning how to debate, a lot of learning how to be able to um, get into discussions and learn, you know, um, learn about, about my perspective and question my perspective and question my background. A lot of critical thinking, which I'm always grateful for. 
Um, so the programs were able to help me grow um, and learn a lot of knowledge and learn habits of of learning and internalizing information. Um, <clears throat> Berkeley was a man. Like a lot of people know Berkeley as like the civil rights hub and like it's progressive and you know there's always there's always the start of the movement is in Berkeley when it comes to like you know what's going on the west coast but um for me unfortunately I could say this the most racist experiences I had was at Berkeley for real yeah. um in school or in school or the city itself the city itself and in the school um really i'll never forget the my my first month marlon like this was my first month at at uc berkeley luckily it wasn't it wasn't me but um but still unfortunately it was it was another group of people of color where there was this these set of dorms where it was housed for the athletes and um, I would pass by there once in a while because I think I made friends with one of uh, one of the football players, and I, I would pass by there once in a while. And the first month I was there, I kid you not, there I show up one night, and there's just swastikas on the dorms, like grafted really? up on the dorms, and then like uh, just written in like markers and, and spray cans, you know, a like. A ninja, get out of here. A ninja, go back home. A ninja, I'm like, damn, dude, what the fuck? Um, yeah, yeah, and and a lot of people forget, like around 2011, 12, um, there was a noose that was placed in the middle of fucking campus. That really, at UC Berkeley, that there was a lot of uh, on campus. There was a lot of racial issues that was going on, and off campus. Um, I remember I was racially profiled by a cop. I remember um, I was uh, I was about to get jumped by a couple white guys when I was. For real? Oh yeah, yeah. I always remember there was this one girl I was I was seeing at the time I dated, and she was a white white girl, and we had a drink, and it, it was all on the same night. I'll never I'll never forget it. It was messed up, but long story short, um, I grew up as a punk rocker and I always had hair and I never buzzed cut my hair because where I grew up if you had a crew cut a buzz cut you were affiliated you were associated and and like you know I didn't want to be part of that but I always like having like like wanted to have my hair buzzed buzz cut so when I was at Berkeley I had my hair buzz cut I had converse I wore khakis rolled up but I wore like a misfit shirt like that was kind of like I was I looked kind of like this this Chicano punk punker, uh, that was yeah, my style. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember at a bar, I was told that I had to leave. I had to leave, and I thought it was just because of uh, you know they were closing up. They're like, oh, we're closing up. I'm like, oh, well, I still got my beer. I'm with this girl, and um, you know we're just finishing our beer. And like, I, it was like 40, 50 minutes to closing time. And then I noticed that uh, two tables next to me, they end up getting a brand new pitcher of beer and the waiters, I could feel the waiter right behind me and I checked my peripheral vision and the waiter's just looking at me, looking at the two tables and that two minutes after telling me that I have to leave, come back to me and tell me I have to leave. And I know, I know some people know this sensation. I don't know if you ever had a Marlon, but that, that, that feeling when someone's telling you something or, or, 
telling you to do something in an establishment and you know it's not because of you doing something wrong it's because of just how you look <laughs> and then um i got that feeling that like drop drop down gut in my feeling I'm like oh man like dude really and so i turned around and i i told the guy like hey do you you know what do you think i am like what do you do you, like calmly too i'll never forget it i was calm as a cucumber man um i i told the guy like dude you know are you afraid of me do i make you uncomfortable and he's like no no it's just we're closing and, and like i need to tell you to leave and i was like well no i just saw you look at those guys at the table across and you got a, and your helper got him a brand new picture and you didn't tell them anything and you come back to me why what is it that's bugging you and it's like oh for real yeah and he just started stuttering and then once he started stuttering wow. i was like oh okay and i told him like look just to let you know man like i go to uc berkeley um wow i'm not who you think i am because if you if i was honestly you probably on the you would probably be on the floor with your nose bleeding um, I, I told him straight up I, I told him straight up because i was like dude like like your attitude like, dude i know homies that like even if like being annoying like that like and you're you're not doing anything you're just sitting down having a beer with a girl on a date and like dude so and he just kept on stuttering and apologizing and i just walked out and that same night this was a this i'll never forget this night this night was horrible the the girl felt bad She's like, I'm sorry that happened. I'm like, nah, it's okay. You know, it is what it is. It's just, you know, I'm sorry you went through that. Like, you had to see that. And we're walking up the street. And Marlon, I kid you not, one block. We walked one block. And there's three white guys walking down. And one white, and the white guy, the first white guy just starts telling the girl, um, hey, you know, what's up, girl? Why don't you, you come with me? What are you doing with that wet back? And I'm like, wait, wow. And it's like, hey, what, you know, what the fuck did you call me? He's like, uh, he's like, wetback, I called you wetback. And then oh. I immediately like turned on and like, I, I don't know what it was, but I, all I remember is I saw a second guy, his friend come in with like this, this metal pole. And he's like, do we have a problem? But before he could finish the sentence, because I was already turned on, I took the pipe right out of his hand. I took off my jacket. I'm like, yeah, we got a fucking problem. The two guys ended up running. Then I turned to the third guy who was just frozen. I'm like, hey, you were walking with them? Like, no, no, I'm sorry. I, I didn't, I, I don't know what they were doing. I'm sorry. And then he just runs away. And then like, ah. I'm, I'm just like, I'm without my, my sweater holding a pole. And I'm like, I'm ready to kill someone, man. And then this girl, I remember, she's like, Rufino, calm down. Rufino, calm down. It's okay. They're gone. They're gone. Um... And that that was that was that night man that that was yeah that was that was one of those that was uh unfortunately an experience i had at berkeley that was off campus but it was right on the edge of campus you're a real one dog i'm glad you held it down yeah that was funny i i remember when i thought about it i was like damn i just took the like pipe right out of his hand shit i didn't even think about that one like <laughs> Uh, so you just walk. You just walked up to that fool and, get, and grabbed, grabbed the pilot. I just grabbed it out of his hand because, like, I was full, like I turned on. I was ready to pounce on this guy, and it, the way I grew up, I'm like, I see someone with a knife, a gun, or whatever the hell it is, like either run, punch, or grab. And like the second the guy was talking, and I saw the pull, uh, like I just grabbed it. Like he was so busy focusing on talking, whatever he was gonna talk, I just grabbed the fucking pull out of his hand. Wow. Um, 
I was, uh, but I'm glad, you know, no one got hurt, you know, that, that could have gotten real bad real quick, and, um, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do, I'll, we'll remember that the girl, she dated me for a while after that, um, I guess she <laughs> felt protected after that. <laughs> So yo, you're, you're <laughs> Rufino. So you graduate, <laughs> you graduate UC Berkeley. What's the plan? What 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 are you gonna do next? What were you thinking? Um, well, I went I went to Berkeley and uh, before before we get into acting, I just want to see like all right. So you graduate UC Berkeley. Then what was the next step in your mind? Uh, brother, I uh, I was I ended up simultaneously getting my license as a medic as an EMT. Uh-huh. There you go. And um, because I always, I always loved medicine, and I always liked the aspect of helping people. Like, yes, there's. I've talked about anger and depression, and a lot of stuff that I had growing up, and almost killing some guy with a pipe. But I've always loved helping people. <laughs> um, I've always loved like seeing how I could help people and heal people. And um, I just thought you know, uh, there, there was a program that one of my best friends told me about, and uh, I jumped in and I joined in and. Uh, the first couple of months, I started uh, doing ride-alongs with the San Francisco Fire Department, and then, I, and I already graduated when I finished the program as well. So I just thought, you know what? If I'm gonna do this, I might as well do it back back in my neighborhood where I could help my community. So um, I graduated. I stayed in Oakland for a year to um, try to do. Uh, I kind of had a hiatus. Like when I graduated, I worked at a law firm to see if legal studies law was really something I wanted to do. Yeah. And I was also a baker <laughs> um, at an Italian nice. at an Italian restaurant. And I was finishing up my EMT program. And in that one year hiatus, I realized that, you know what? I don't want to do law. Um, baking's cool, but I don't want to do that. Let's, let's focus on being a medic. And so after graduating, I stayed in the year discovering that that's what I wanted to do and then I came back to Los Angeles and um, uh, became an EMT and worked with the fire department for two years what, what year did you graduate Berkeley I graduated Berkeley in 2011 and what year did you move back to LA 2013 so you so you went back to LA with the, with the plans of being a medic mm-hmm. um, and being an EMT yeah um, and then you're working at the the fire department for two years right yeah and then at what point did acting come about or i don't want to skip anything yet like so you're working for it you're working as an emt and then, and then what well, how, how did acting get into play unless i miss any parts um well two, two things um the seed was planted in my head for acting um when i was in my last year of, of berkeley I had a friend that I met that he, uh, I was a college counselor when I was uh, in my last year at uh, UC Berkeley. I was a, a college counselor or consultant for community college students trying to get into Berkeley. And there was a colleague of mine, um, and we ended up becoming friends. His name was Tony Allen. Tony was attending Berkeley for film and TV, and he was an actor. And I remember, I'll never forget it, one day, he um we were helping each other out with our schoolwork and things like that and he told me like hey can you film me i'm like film you what do you mean film you it's like i have to do this monologue and i'm like 
and I don't, again, I have no idea what the hell anything in acting or, or theater is. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell's a monologue? Yeah. And 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 he he was doing a, a monologue off of, I believe, um, oh my god, what was it called? Uh, Dead Poets with Tupac. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, poetic justice. Poetic justice. There you go. Poetic justice. And he was doing a monologue about uh, that Tupac has. And I'm like, oh, I'm just doing, like, do you remember Tupac in this one moment? I'm like, yeah, I never saw it, but I, I know what you're talking about. He's like, yeah, I'm just reenacting it. I'm like, all right, cool. And Tony, Tony, he was, a, he's a sweet guy, man. He's, he's like, I owe that guy a lot when it comes to just like having a really good friend in Berkeley and, and someone who grew up in the hood and always looked out and like, um, he was just a sweet, cool, awesome guy, and um, he was always cool. He was always chill. Like I love kicking it with him. We always talked about football. We talked about like uh, music and movies and stuff like that. And then I remember he does this scene, and he blew my fucking mind, man, because he just like <laughs> he's like just in it. He's like angry, and he's he's about to break down, and I'm like. And and I I bought it. I was like, damn, is this fool about to cry? Like, wait, is this part of the movie? Like, I I didn't know if it was real or if it was acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the goal. Yeah, yeah. That you know, and and he was a great. He's a great actor. And so I was like, hey, Tony, what? You know, are are you an actor? He's like, yeah. I'm like, and so it, him performing in front of me, set the the acting bug, or at least the seed. Uh, I started asking him questions like my last year that I was living in Oakland I remember we used to we used to hang out and drink and just chill and then but the majority of the times when we would hang out in that last year when I was in the Bay Area I would ask him so many questions about acting like why did you get into acting what made you get into acting what helped you get into acting why do acting do you think you're gonna do film like I was just so curious after like seeing him perform yeah and um I went to I went back uh, to LA and that 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 friendship always stayed in my head but like more of the the piece of my friend that he like just acting like what he could do and I was like damn like that was that was powerful I'm like shit can I do that like like I, something about it just just lit a fire in me. I don't know what it was and then so I did my my first year in LA and I remember it, that always stuck with me. I would always think about that, my, my friend Tony and just acting. And then after doing my very first year being an EMT and working with patients, and I was having issues communicating with patients. I was nervous. It was timid. You know, you're, you're interacting with people that they're, they're, they're most vulnerable uh, part of their life. They're, they're either about to die or they're dying or they're sick or they're very vulnerable. So... There was a lot, I was having difficulty able to communicate with some patients. And I've always had issues uh, with my communication. I actually always had issues speaking. I would mumble a lot. I had no confidence in articulation, uh, in enunciation, English or Spanish. And then one day it just hit me. I'm like, maybe I should take, uh, maybe I should take speech classes. I looked for speech classes and I remember I couldn't find anything and I kid you not, I looked on Groupon and it said acting classes. <laughs> and, and, like, and what year what year is this? What this is 2014. 
living in LA yeah. and you're already working as an EMT. Yes, I was. And you were like, you know, I'm gonna take some speech classes to improve my speech, but you ran across acting classes instead. Yeah. Wow. And then, so what'd you do next? I was I, <laughs> I looked at it, I'll never forget it. It was $38 for three classes. And I was like, <laughs> whoa. All right, well, let, let me see, you know, like I, I don't know. And then the image of just Tony performing and just just that desire to learn. I was like, well, let me Yeah, maybe. Like, you know what? Actors they enunciate, they articulate, they speak with confidence and volume and pitch and and they're calm, cool, collective and composed. Let me, let's give it a shot. Let's give it a shot. So I took the class. Um, it was at the Atwater Playhouse School of Acting. I'll never forget that. Um, at the time, I didn't, uh, my car was broken down. I, I didn't have a car. So I had to take two buses to get to that place. Um, it took me about an hour and 45 minutes. I always remember that. The classes were always at 7 o'clock, so I would have to leave my house at 5 to get there at 7. Classes were done by 11 p.m. I would get home at 1 a.m. Like, it was it was always like that, Monday through Wednesday. But I remember I took, right, right. The, I took the classes. And, um, like, before I even went in, I remember I emailed the, the, the teacher. I was like, look, man, I've never done acting. I, 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 <laughs> I had problems speaking. Like... Like I just want to learn. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm prepping. I'm, I'm letting the guy know. Like I don't want to go up the first class. Like I, I just, like, just give me the basics. And I remember he's like, no, don't worry, you won't go up. You'll, you'll see how it is first. We'll, we'll, we'll introduce you. You'll, you'll do introduction. Here, here's the scene. Just check it out. You know, read it. And, and you know, other, other actors are gonna perform it, and then you'll get an idea of what we do. I'm like, all right, cool. And he's like, we don't even get a lot of students. I'm like, all right, cool. I go in, Marlon. I, <laughs> I walk in. It's a, I believe it's a, a 85, 65 <laughs> person theater. And all like fucking five rolls are like filled up. Like, it's like 50 people in there. I'm like, oh, fuck. And like, so me, I, I, I sit all the way in the back. I'm like, all right, like, uh. I'm gonna sit in the back. I'm gonna see what's going on. I'm gonna observe. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm gonna try to learn. <laughs> you know, people from the hood, we always sit in the yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. You know, in the bus, like, like always in the bus, I was sat in the back. I was with my hoodie on and everything. And dude, uh, I remember this guy. His name was Jamie, the the teacher, and he uh, he starts it off. You know, welcome everyone to class. And and by this point, people kept on coming in. So it's like 65 people in the damn theater. Um, and I'm just like, just observing. I'm like, all right. But the second he started class, my instinct already kicked in. I'm like, this motherfucker is going to call me up. He's going to call me up. I know he's going to call me up because my heart's just pounding. I'm like, I, my heart hasn't pounded like this since I ran away from some people in the hood. I ended up playing football <laughs> or like that time I almost got jumped. I'm like, oh. Yeah. And sure enough, he goes, we have a new student. Rufino, would you be able to, to come down here? I'm like, motherfucker. Oh, man. I'm like, um, okay. And, and my heart's pounding. Marlon, like, uh -huh. <laughs> I've, I've gone through a lot of stuff before. But in my head, I never thought my heart would pound so hard just for walking down in front of a whole bunch of people. And then oh, man. He, tells, he, he tells another girl to, to, to meet me in the front. 
and he introduces myself, uh, me, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm just here. I'm I'm trying to learn. Uh, I want to learn about you know speech and, and articulation, and you know, I thought it'd be a good idea to to take an acting class. And he goes, okay, take a seat. And I'm I'm walking up. He's like, no, 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 no. take a seat on stage. I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm like, all right. <laughs> and he goes, do you remember the scene I I gave you? I'm like, yeah. He goes, okay, well, you're gonna do this scene right now. I'm like. Wait, 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 wait! I, I, I told you, like, I don't do this. I don't, I don't do acting. I don't. I like, he's like, don't worry about it. Just, you know, you have the page. Just read the page if you need to. Um, uh, what was her name? Uh, Rachel. She, she's gonna be your partner, and you guys are gonna do a scene. I'm like, all right, cool. And, and I'm like, all right, I'm just reading off the page. And I'm, and I'm shaking. I'm shaking like a leaf, man. I'm like, uh, and I'm just looking at the page. Like, like my, my, <laughs> you can't see my face. Like, my face is completely like in the page. Like, you can't see my face whatsoever. And then he goes, "What's what's what are you doing?" I'm like, uh, "I'm reading off the page." He's like, "No, no, no, no. What what is this character that you are? What what is he doing?" I'm like, "He's confronting his wife about cheating." He's like, "Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah." And then he starts going into Stanislavski and substitution, and he's like, "What if this was, you know, a girl that cheated on you? What was, what would you do? What would you, how would you say it? stuff like that?" He kept it pretty simple and saying, "Like, what? Well, well, he was very method in the sense of Stanislavski, and where he's like, "Have you ever been cheated on?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "What was that girl's name?" I'm like, "So and so." When was the last time you saw her? And was, this was the last time. Imagine Rachel is that girl. Now say the lines. And I and I kid you not, I started screaming. I started screaming, and I said the lines, and something just snapped inside of me where I said, "Like you fucking bitch, you, I can't believe you fucking cheated on me. Fuck you! Like get the fuck out of my house!" And yeah, and um, my mumbling that I always had, it went away, and. Yeah the shaking went into <laughs> like this this i was calm like i my and i have and i still have this till this day when i get into a certain part my hands get cold <laughs> and i think it's because all the blood flows to my brain or whatever the hell it is but my hands get freezing cold and i i i finished the scene i was stoic i was still my hands were cold and I did the scene, and everyone clapped, and I went back to my seat. Nice. So, so, so let me ask you this: How many months did you spend in that class? I I spent two years in that school, and then from there, when did you meet Andrew Ben next? When or take me from class, like from class to class? Okay, so you did that class. What was next? So. I was so I paid only for the three classes. I took the three classes yeah. and I was like, "All right, you know, Jamie, I'm done. I'm cool. I appreciate what you did for me. This was a great experience. Like, I gotta head out." He's like, "No, no, no, no. What are you doing? You have to come back next week." I'm like, "Dude, I'm not gonna pay because the promotion was like thirty eight dollars, and then uh, for the month it was like two hundred. You know, well, what what ridiculous number for paying for classes is always is like two hundred fifty dollars for the month and, and whatnot." And I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't have that money. I'm not gonna spend that money on on acting. He's like, and and I'll, I'll praise him for this because I'm, he gave me my foundation. He told me, 
come every Monday and Wednesday every week. Don't worry about paying. We'll figure it out. I'm like, Jamie, dude, I, I don't have money. Like, I'm, I'm paying off my car. I'm working as a medic. Like, I don't have money. He's like, can you pay me $5 a month? Uh, I'm like, yeah. He's like, all right, and pay me $5 a month. So wow. in two years, um, I worked and paid like probably like maximum like $50. <laughs> and it, I it, love it. Yeah, he wanted he wanted me to, to act. He saw something he saw something in you. Yeah, yeah. And um, because of him, I always remember after my first year of acting, he put me in his first web series where I played a detective and I played uh, with my co-star, which was uh, James Russo from the Django. Um, wow. and, and and he was in Time Cop and I was like, hey, I recognize you. And I found out he was a veteran and he was an old friend of the teacher. And we um, we just got into acting and we did a, we did a digital series called um, Angels in Paradise. We did like five episodes. Um, and that was after my first six months of uh, first year after acting and so I stayed there um, I did my second year there I just did Mondays Wednesdays and Fridays every Monday Wednesday and Friday for two years and then after reading up on Stanislavski and his three books and practicing I I remember I was curious about like well you know it's just like football it's just like music it's just like movies it's just like going to school you can't just study one teacher you gotta have multiple teachers you gotta have multiple multiple places to get information so i was like you know what let me look at a different school and so i looked up a list of different uh well-known schools in hollywood in los angeles and uh actors workout studio came on uh, on google and nice. I saw that they had an audit, and then I saw that they had um, uh, recommendations from from other actors. And but the one thing that stuck with me was that I remember I saw that it said it was a Meisner focused school. And I remember when I was looking up like Dustin Hoffman, Lawrence Fishburne, Denzel Washington, they would talk about some teacher, some great teacher names, um, Meisner. Yeah. Like, oh, this is who Denzel was talking about. This is who Dustin Hoffman was talking about. All right, cool, cool. So I was like, fuck it. I did, I did the audit, and um, I found it was the funniest thing. I found out that a coworker who was an EMT had been going to that school for four years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his name was uh, Joshua, and I saw him in the class when I audited. I'm like, Joshua, what are you doing here? He's like, dude, I, I, I do acting. He's like, well, are you serious? You never told me you did acting. He's like, yeah, I did acting. And, and um, I asked him, like, dude, like, I, I've been doing acting for two years. I'm trying to figure it out. He's like, oh, my God, like, come to the school. And Joshua, he, he, he basically, he promoted the school to me. And I trusted him because we worked with the fire department together as well. Different shifts, but we worked together. And then I trusted my instinct and I kind of followed fate. I'm like, it's funny and interesting how I went to this random school and I find someone from my work who happens to be an actor that he never told anyone about. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I started going over there to Actors Workout Studio and I went there for about a year 
a year and a half uh, on and off, on and off. And um, that's where that I, was Andrew Ben's class. Yeah, I took Andrew Ben's class. I took Irene's class. I took uh, Fran's class, uh, Ricky Pete's class. Um, I ended up gravitating closer to Irene's class because after my first two years of acting at the other school, I realized that having a close connection with your teacher means a lot. And it allowed, at least for me, it allowed me to open up my emotions more. And Irene uh, was born and raised in Hollywood. And so that really, for me, if, like it doesn't matter what time period you grew up in Hollywood, but if you're from Hollywood, you're from Hollywood. And so, um, kind of like the, you know, the barrio code, the hood code, you know, like, oh, you from the block? All right, cool. <coughs> yep. And so, um, and it was, it was funny because she's, she's this middle-aged, uh, white woman that grew up in Hollywood, but like, I don't know, just the fact that she grew up in Hollywood, I felt real close to her and I told her my background, how I grew up and, um, she, she helped me. She helped me a lot. She helped me work work out um the meisner technique you know repetitions um yeah, destination all that all that fun jazz and um i went i went and then at that point i finished three years of just learning acting and i remember i talked to irene i talked to fran i talked a little bit with andrew and ricky and then i told myself you know is this what I want to do? Like, this is, this is like, I'm all, I'm already three years in. Like, is this a, a hobby or is this something that like, at this point I, I've already spent like uh, a good chunk of money and time. And like, I was obsessed with it. And I, I didn't realize it until three years. And so I was like, I think this is like, well, actually more of anything else. I remember I said that um, I feel like this is what I want to do. I was like, I don't think. It's more like I got this feeling like I really want to do this. Like, I, that, like you know, I'm, I only got one life. And then this is the one thing that I really chose to do for myself from the start from Berkeley. So, you know, oh, let's, let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. So, R- Rufino, let me ask you something. Before we get into your experience in film and before we even talk about Always Running, um, how many plays do you have? How many theater plays do you have under your belt? <sighs> Seven years. One plays? Just just plays, right? Yeah, like theater plays. Yeah, theater yeah. Plays. Theater play, you know? One, how many plays two, have you done under three, your belt? Four, five, ten. Got dope, about, dope. Got about ten plays under my belt. Dope, dope. Yo, roof, roof. Mm. I've, I, I've, I've done nine. Hell yeah, boy. That's how you do um, it. And, and ladies and gents, and I hate to talk about myself, but I'm gonna tell you guys something. Whenever I doubted my skill, whenever I felt like I was I was burned out from acting classes, I would always check in with Rufino, and he kept it real with me, Marlon. It's only you that's gonna find out if this really is meant for you. The only way to find out is if you keep trying. You're you're not gonna find out if you quit now. Maybe you're quitting too early, but you gotta keep trying to find out. And I kept doing it. But anyways, back to back to you. So you've done nine, you've done ten plays. Out of those ten, and this is including always running, right? Uh yeah, yeah. This is including always running. Out of those ten plays, what's the top three definitive roles that you know you nailed down, and it was your best work? What are the top? Uh top one. Oh my god! You, no, I just remembered. Uh, I've done thirteen. Oh, 
I just remember that because I did three plays at the Atwater Playoff School of Acting. That's right, I did three. So I've done 13. Um, so, top three plays. Damn. Um, Atwater, well, no, that one was... <sighs> that you would, like, definitely, like, you know, you're proud of and, like, you know... you. Cause, hey, hey, let me tell you something, my G. Like, you can feel it when there's a buzz around you. Yeah, uh, you and a lot of people are not gonna say it too loud to keep your head small. Cause you, know, of course, the, the goal is to not make the, our heads big. But you know when there's a buzz around you, and you know when you hit the nerve, especially in theater. You feel the when you hit a roll in theater. The energy gets sucks out the air. The air gets sucks out the room. Yeah, yeah. And you can hear you can hear a pin drop. That's when you know you nailed it. So, what do you think are your top three definitive work in theater, dog? I I remember the one of the first ones I remember was at Casa Zero One Zero One. Actually, you know it's funny. Um, yeah, two of them were at Casa. One of them was at uh, at the um, at Water Playoff School of Acting. The, oh. the Atwater, Atwater Schoolhouse, Atwater Playhouse School of Acting, it was this one called uh, Threesome. And it was my very first play, actually. I'll never forget. Dope. Dope. It, was, Dope. Dope. it was in a love triangle, man. And um, it got serious. And basically, um, I ended up coming out from the perspective from the character that um, he was put in the middle of the two women with the fact of knowing that the two women had an interest within each other and yeah, it, yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. this whole convoluted relationship within three people and, <laughs> and then yeah. but i remember i put both of the women on blast and then like I, but i remember it was the first time i had a monologue and um yeah there was that that stillness that stillness and and then you know the curtains dropped and then i just remember clapping but I remember time froze. Yeah, that, yeah. That's the way. That's the way I always, I always loved it. It's just time yeah. freezes. So the first one was, was a threesome. I remember because everyone went outside. Like, oh my god! Like, you've only been acting for this long, and like you doing great. Oh my, you know. And I was like, oh shit, thank you. I, I wasn't even thinking about any of that. So there was shit. that one. And the second one was I always remember this character. His name was Frank. And it was at Casa, and I remember it was part of a Brown and Out festival where there were uh, vignettes of uh, the LGBTQ community within the Latin community. And it was a story about the 90s about these best friends that there's only about three of them that have survived the AIDS epidemic. And it gets, it gets, it's it's a very um, is a dramatic comedy because it's like funny. We're just like laughing. We're talking about you know we're getting old and we're losing hair and stuff like that. And um, it's very like boisterous and it's very loud. But then there's this moment where my character Frank and his best friend they look in front of the mirror and. Frank breaks down because he thought he was going to be dead because everyone else has been dead. Like all their best friends have died from AIDS. And um, he shares this moment with his best friend in the mirror and he tells him 
that he thought about killing himself. Right, 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 right. Because he's he's like, I'm not gonna let some disease wither me away. Like if I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go the way I want to go. And then the best friend tells him like, No, you're stronger than you think. We're gonna survive this. But then there's this silence where they're both crying, and it's basically like one friend saving another friend. Um, and that moment, that that scene with the mirror, I always remember it. Um, I had a great, great acting partner too. Both of us, we 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 always talked about it. But um, Cesar, he's a great actor. Um, we we always talk. We always hugged each other at the end of that play because it was it's like one of the like time stood still and we just looked at each other and at that moment we were those characters and we loved each other and and yeah. we were there for each other and we just we hugged each other we cried and just as quickly as it came is just as quickly as it went away and then we were back in the play and next you know the play was over and um I remember uh, the writer, he cried because it was his real, real life story. And he said that, um, that uh, I really was able to take his words from the, from the script and, and make his friend come back alive. I love it. Yeah. And I um, love it, man. I love it. A lot of people from the community, uh, I remember they came up to me and they said that it touched them a lot. There was a lot of people who cried from that show. Um, and it, a lot, a lot of people came up to us and talked to us like, "Thank you for doing the story, thank you for for talking about this, thank you for bringing this story to life." And um, I was I was lucky to be part of that play. Um, um, that was about three years, two two years ago. Two no three years. Oh my god, that was three years ago. Yeah, but it was part of the Brown and Now Festival. And then um, uh, the third one. Uh, was uh, always running that uh hell yeah yo yeah, uh -huh. yeah that that play um yeah man I had dreams about that play <laughs> ladies and gents um you know when I li when I listen to Rufino's story he definitely meets people in life that kept encouraging him he definitely met people in life that believed in him and gave him the spark and, and kept reigniting the spark. And that's what was Rufino was for me too when I was really in the heat of pursuing acting. And I keep saying was because I know that this pandemic that really shut down my play. And it's like, you know, like Peter was a big part of my life and Rufino definitely kept reassuring me that I'm on the right path. And I believe you. I still do. I still believe in you, man. Um, like... Let me ask you this, dog. Like for always running, how did that feel? Because there was like articles written about you in the newspapers, man. Like it was, it got out there, dog. Yeah. How did that feel? And how, what was the experience like as an artist, like working that character? I don't have enough words, man. Nice, nice. That it, I, I, that's 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 the honest truth. Um, nice. To be honest with you, it almost seems like another lifetime ago. It's, it was just um, I I dive deep into that one, man. Ooh. That was that was like, um, and I and and I knew I hit it, and I hit it. Uh, at least in my eyes, what you know, because we all define success differently. Everyone has a different definition of success. But I always remember for me, 
when I finished that play, I realized that I had succeeded in acting. When, uh, because uh, the character I ended up playing, uh, Luis Rodriguez, a great author, great poet, great speaker, um, uh, uh, an author to 18, 19 different books, um, a community activist, uh, community leader, great, great, great individual leader, and great friend. Um, he invited his family. I remember the first week and his cousin and his sister-in-law, I remember I, I got introduced to them at the end of the play and I'll never forget it. I'm like, oh, hi, how's it going? You know, my name's Rufino. And I stick my hand out and they're just looking at me. They don't stick out their hand. They just look at me and they, they look at my face. They get closer to my face. I'm like, what the hell? Like, they look at my hands, they look at my feet, and they, they they just look at me as if I'm, like, this guinea pig. I'm like, what? They haven't said one word to me. They're just looking at me for, like, a good 10 seconds like a guinea pig. <laughs> and and I felt weird. I felt so self-conscious. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, damn, bro. Did I say something wrong? Like, did I, did I, did I do the play wrong? Like, what, like, oh, my God, I might have offended them. Like, what happened? And then I'll never forget it, both of them. Oh my God, you, 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 you tricked us. You, you look like him. You walk like him. You talk like him. You, you even do that funny walk that he has. Like your jaws like him. Like, like oh my God, like you, you got us. You got us. And I was yeah. like, oh shit. Like his for his own family to say that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got good it. Good shit. Good shit. Wow. Um. um so let me ask you this, dog. Well, how was that? How rigorous was that? Doing the play for four months. How did that feel? How was that experience like? Um, you know. And, and by the way, to all my, <clears throat> to all my actresses and actresses tuning in, you know, I, I've interviewed my share of actors and, and screenplay writers and directors in this podcast. You know, like I keep telling my peoples, man, like. You gotta pay dues in theater. You just yeah. you can't you can't skip you can't skip your way around it. You just yeah. you just have to do it. You have to go through it. So let me yeah. ask you this: how how essential is theater for the actor, bro? I think theater needs to be the foundation for any actor. <laughs> yes, yes. This, yeah, it, it it has to be because you just um I can't speak for any other actor. It's just like any other like football player that they're going to talk about another football player is you just you just can't. Everyone has their different process, but I know that for me, when I was able to do the jump into uh, film commercials and shorts and independent films, dude, yeah. it's e it's easy compared to theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's so easy. Because, it polished you. It polished you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's um it made you fearless on the camera. Yeah. Well, and the biggest thing too is for me, I'm very technical. Yeah. Like that's that's what I got out of acting. Like it's you need to have for me, you gotta have substance, your emotional substance, but you need to be able to have the avenues and the tools and the technique to properly convey those emotions in its different shades. And theater did that a lot for me. Um, and to be able to do that from 
Like, if you mess up, you have to keep going. You cannot stop. You right. can't say like, oh, let me take that back. Let me run that line again. Hold on, guys. Sorry. Like, you can't yeah. stop an audience of 130 people. Yeah, you yeah, can't yeah, stop yeah. an audience of like 3,000 people. You're just like, you just got to keep going. In the film, uh, run, run it back. All right. Run it back and say it a little bit to the left. Okay. Run it back and say it softer. Okay. Like, it's repetition. But you lose that extra walking on the wire of you got to get it right in one shot. Yeah. Live. 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 Live in front of people. Yeah. All right. On the spot. You have to do yeah. it now. Okay. Um, <clears throat> okay. So I know that you've done your share of like some really cool short films. What would be your top three definitive short films? That, that that you're proud of, dog. Like, how many short films have you done? Like, uh, how many under your belt? That's when you know an a- that's when you know an actor has done a lot. When you ask him, how many have you done? And the actor goes, <sighs> <laughs> and that's when you know. And that's when you know a rapper has done a lot. When someone says, "Who are the rappers you've opened up for?" And someone goes, <sighs> "Yeah." Yeah. And by the way, ladies and gents, I, I I'm gonna actress and actresses listening. I know they don't want to listen to me because who who do, who do I know? I'm only like three years in the game, but I do believe that if you're trying to be an actor on film and you didn't do theater, that's like saying you're trying to rap, but you don't even want to try to freestyle. Mm-hmm. That that that's saying mm-hmm. that's saying oh you want to play basketball but you don't know how to dribble. What? Yeah. yeah. That's that, actually really good. That, that's how I see it, man. You can't skip yeah. it, my G's. Okay, so top. So how many short films have you done? I I'm not like I don't I don't I don't, don't want to feel like I'm boasting or anything or like I I honestly I I don't know how many I've done. I do you know you did a lot. I'm pretty sure I've done maybe about like more than about 15 short films Woo! all right out of those 15 short films what would be your top three proudest roles and that key because ladies and gents i <laughs> this is and you know someone's an og when you gotta get to the top three because we can be here all night but i want to know like the top three that you know you nailed down dog on film a dinner for couples nice a dinner for couples was really cool because that was an intimate it was simple simple one location a short film about family brothers and sisters with their own significant other and what they're dealing with one sister dealing with a cheating husband another brother dealing with uh financial homelessness and another sister with um dealing with the fact that she got married without telling her family and it's just like real down and dirty like family family uh politics and just family culture um real simple great great characters uh great actors ariana julisa uh charles like great great director eric and uh our producer um uh but it was just i remember it was oh we're gonna do a uh, a story about family shit like you want me to give input like you want to argue you want to fight you want to like what do you want and it was it was a great script it was a 13 page script actually and it got uh we were lucky it got picked as one of the 48 uh 
what was it? The uh, 48 film projects, uh, independent film projects, uh, independent film festival that premiered at the Directors Guild of America. Oh, and I remember uh, we were up for best short as well. Um, so that was a really great one. I was really proud about that one, and 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 it, it got premiered, and and it it did great. I was happy about that one. So dinner for couples, um, rip and burn two. Yeah, I was, I was really happy about rip and burn two. Just that was my up. favorite. I thought that was a really good one too, bro. Yeah. He, he killed that shit. Yeah, it was. Um, that one was cool as fuck because a lot of people don't know this, but it was a subtle choice. You know, actors, we want to try to take on our characters as best as possible, whatever we want. But I chose to have my character left-handed. I was born and raised right-handed my whole life. For whatever reason, I decided to make a choice for my character to be left-handed. So for my character, I chose him to be left-handed. So I had, a, I taught myself how to write with my left hand, how to open doors with my left hand. How to eat with my left hand? Like I, I was left-handed, and I fully did that. And I took on the character, this background from from Pokoima and Pacas, and a story about this lone shark and and him getting back with his family. And luckily, Rip and Burn Two was pretty cool because there was uh, an intimate family scene, but it was talking about current events such as uh, the immigration issue, the politics issue, the gun yeah. uh, cops issue. It was a very, it was a film that encapsulated a lot of current atmosphere uh, situations with the world, while simultaneously having it do with this lone shark who's visiting his aunt, um, while at the same time the uh, the aunt is dealing with mental health issues. So it was it was a story like Rip and Burn Two was really great because it encapsulated immigration. Crime, the hood, family, racism, police brutality, and uh, mental health—all in one shot. So, um, Good shit. So yeah, so rip and burn two. Um, and the third one. I want to pick one that was that had fun. I'm like, which one did I have fun? Like a lot of fun with. One. There was Lucy's Lucy's Lost Star. Um, I did Floor. Floor was pretty cool, but that one was like really serious because that was very dark. And <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was very dark. It was very dark. Um, uh, and to be honest, though, I think I I, sh- I should have done a, a lot more a lot more work on that one. Um, yeah. Uh, because it was all in Spanish, and Spanish was very difficult, and it was in, in Guatemalan Spanish, so it was a little bit difficult to be able to get the accent. I, I feel I should have done a lot more work on that. You know, you always feel like you can do more work with any of your characters, but I'll, I want to say the other, the, my third favorite film was Lucy's Wasted Star, and only a few, <laughs> only a few people know about that. I played, uh, I played a supporting role. Yeah, and it was fun as hell because I played a clerk who sold stars to people, <laughs> and I played this this guy who wore glasses and wore a cardigan vest and 
ended up speaking like a very high tone pitch voice and said that I needed to be able to sell you this for only twenty dollars and you can't have any refunds because it's not allowed within the policy of the business. Um, <laughs> type of situation. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and it was fun. It was fun. It was great. And I remember that I auditioned. I got the role, and it was non-union. And they're like, "Well, can you film in a week?" I'm like, "Yeah, fuck it. Let's film in a week." Did my process, wrote it, and did everything in one shot. It was one take, every angle. So, and I was on a roll with that one. I was like, "Oh shit!" It's like, "Oh my god!" Like, Kui, are you good? Do you like? We got it. Like, do you? I'm like, "Yeah, we're good." If you want to keep going, let's go. And so, um, and I at I remember when I was doing that, that um, that film, I was at Actors a Workout Studio. And Irene really helped me with that, and so did Andrew and Fran. And um, yeah, yeah, that was that was uh, that was a fun one. I will say that that was a fun one. So those are my top three: um, Rip and Burn Two, uh, Lucy's Wasted Star, and uh, Dinner for Couples. Wow. Oh my G! So yo, let, let's talk about this really dope role, man. Like I was definitely helping you push this. Um, I was I was really helping promote this too. I was promoting the show hard uh, on online. Tell me about your experience in East of La Brea. Oh man, that was that was for um, always running was my my role that that I did for theater that that it's the standard for me and I have to pass that standard East of La Brea is my standard for film because that I I was picked up as a series regular and um, that was a ride man that I I I I wish so much like that we were we could have gotten a a season two but um, East of La Brea was uh Man, it was a six six episode uh, digital series uh, picked up by Paul Fig, um, uh, executive producer of the Ghostbusters, and a great actor himself and director, uh, directed and executive producer to A Simple Truth with Anna Kendrick, um, uh, Samir Gardezi, who was uh, one of the writers to Modern Family. We had Samantha Bailey, who was a director for Dear White People. Um, and uh, great actors such as, um, oh my God, like there were so many actors in that. Um, uh, the whole, the homeboy Herbert Sinkinsa from Culture Clash, uh, Culture Clash, the famous legendary comedy group that had their own TV show on Channel Eleven, um, and their trope, like their comedy trope. Um, uh, and, and I got to play with some great actresses, and, and it, it was just great. The role was a, a Salvadorian, Salvadorian American from LA who grew up in LA, went to college, and came back to the, the neighborhood to open up a, a local restaurant in his hood. And um, that that man, I put a lot of work into it. And the best thing, though, and the the privilege I had was. Um, on a more personal note that from across the board from your PA to your director and executive producer it was nothing but brown and black faces 
Mm-hmm. It was it was nothing but black and brown faces, man. It was beautiful. It was it was the most diverse set I ever been part of, and it was also the most it was the funnest set. Like um, everyone was a family. Like you know, you get those stories about like being in a production or being in a theater group that you like. It's like a family. That was a family. Like man, it was it was it was great. It was great. I don't. I don't know what else to tell you. It was like it was twenty-five day shoot. They needed me for eleven days. Um, it was a SAG project. You know, it was it was great. It was beautiful. I, I got to talk and meet up with Paul Fig. I I, I became friends with Herbert Sinkinsa. Um, yeah, it, it was great. I met some veterans, and and even from that one, I ended up getting uh, voiceover work for another film. Through um, from Samir Gardezi, um, who he loved me working with him, and from the work that I did, he uh, he got me another job uh, working in a short film called uh, Amer- American Voices. It, was, uh, it just came out actually uh, last month. Wow! Congrats, brother! I love it. Um, let's talk about your role in Echo Park. How was that experience like? I was I was just thinking about that too. I was I was thinking about like it just popped in my head. I'm like, damn, you know what? Actually, I think In Echo Park was probably one of my top three. Um, yeah. How's your ex- uh-huh. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. Like, tell me about your experience, like in that role, and uh, just just the experience of uh, being in that film, dog. Yo, I remember I met uh, Nathan, who is a director. He's a homeboy. He's a punk rocker from the East Coast, but. He got into film. Great guy. Great, great, great person. And he wrote this script. And I remember I auditioned for it. I did a self-tape. I did a audition. Then I did a callback. Yeah. And, uh, so I auditioned three times. And uh, I remember I looked at the script once I got the role. And it's a story about Echo Park. And yeah. I had my cousin and my aunt were a part of my life. I grew up in Echo Park. I used to visit my aunt and my cousin all the time over there, literally, um, <laughs> like right there on Echo Park and, and Sunset, like right by the Bank of America and the Gold Room. Um, uh, at Patras, Patras. Um, and then I remember I read the script and then. He, it talked about some of the local gangs and i'm like oh yeah i know this gang yeah like i know like two homies from this gang and he's like are you serious i'm like yeah and it was funny because my character was a gang member who was uh, it wasn't any specific gang but the character was a salvadorian he was born in el salvador and he was an immigrant who came to echo park and because he came alone and he needed to survive off the streets, he joined the game. And he ended up becoming one of the main heads. Right, 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 right. Wow. And I, re- I remember I looked at the script and then <laughs> I needed to help him out a little bit because he wanted to use the names of, of some of the gangs, like their real names. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, you can't do that. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, dude, I still live in this neighborhood. I can't do this if you're gonna use this name. And he's like, "Well, well, what if what if we just use the abbreviation?" I'm like, "Dude, that's even worse." Like, like I, I had a breakdown gang culture for him in LA, and I was a real help to him. And 
I t- and luckily his set designer and his set decorator was a Salvadoran American from LA who grew up in Echo Park. And my character needed to have a tattoo on his neck. And I remember they wanted to make it either 13 or 18. And I remember me and the set th- uh, director were looking at each other and we tell Nathan, no, we're not going to put that on my neck because we're doing this in the middle of Echo Park. I'm like, we're not going to have 13 on my neck and we're sure as hell I'm not going to have 18 on my neck if we're filming this gorilla stuff. <laughs> like, I'm not going to do it, dude. Like, you're paying me, this is sag, like, but, but, you know, at the end of the day, I still got to live in the neighborhood, you know? Yeah. And, and my homie Ghost, we, we, uh, we, be, we became really good friends. Uh, he's like, yeah, no, you can't have that. You, you can't have that stuff, dude. Like, you, you're going to get him shot. You're going to get him jumped while we're filming and shit. And so I did it. I did the role. And um, I actually really love that role because Nathan, he did me the favor after a lot of discussions about the backgrounds of what it was, you know, on a personal level for a Salvadorian coming from a Salvadorian family. Yeah. What, what happens to a lot of immigrants, why they come here, why they came here in the 80s and the 90s. Um, that was one of the few roles that I did as a, a gang role. But it humanized. Wow. The gangster. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's and, fucking. Uh huh. It uh, it humanized them in the sense that I I have a scene in the film where he says why he had to join a gang. It wasn't a choice. It wasn't a choice, and you can. And I was lucky enough where I did enough work and a lot of pulling from family history as well where I'm able, uh, Nathan, uh, he was really happy with it as well, that uh, we were able to pull out the humanity and the vulnerability of that character in just a few seconds out of like a five minute scene. And like you humanize this this person who would be looked at as a monster and you don't justify what he has done, but you understand why. And I think that was the thing that, that uh, that I really loved from the script, from the character, from the scene, and from the entire movie. And it was, it was very well done. It was a very well done story about the neighborhood and about um, immigration and people who grow up in the neighborhood and why they choose and make the decisions that they have to. That's awesome, bro. Yeah. I really love it, man. Um, let's talk about your experience um, by South by Southwest. Like, for what film was that? When you went to South that, by Southwest. That was actually for East of La Brea. Wow. Yeah. East of La Brea. East, dude, East of La Brea got a lot of awards. East of La Brea, like, it, we, we got South by Southwest. We got the Minnesota Film Festival. We had, um, it got premiered at CAA. Um, <laughs> over in Beverly Hills. Uh, like, we got a lot of promotion. I got a lot of work for it. But uh, it was picked up on South by Southwest for uh, selection for one of the best uh, uh, digital pilot series. Uh-huh. And uh, it was great, man. It was wonderful. It was beautiful. Got invited, got a plane ticket, ended up spending uh, four days in Austin, Texas. I love it. And, um, dude, it was, it was great. But it was a lot of networking. It was a lot of networking. Um, for anyone who goes to, like any film festival like for any film festival but for south by southwest i really learned that you just gotta 
network and meet everybody. There's a hundred films or a hundred projects being shown all at like throughout the day for for seven days. And Austin, Texas is just like taking over. It looks like Las Vegas in the sense of like population. It's just there's a film here, there's a series here, there's a project here, there's this director here, this is uh best award here, and it's it's um it's imagining uh any city's downtown and just having nothing but directors, actors, producers walking around giving business cards and talking about the projects. Um, that was that was the South by Southwest that I went to in two. It was 2018. Uh-huh. Um, oh my God, what were the films? There was there was a handful of films that ended up getting bought and ended up getting premiered. Uh, there was there's a handful of them. I remember Matthew McConaughey was there, John Cena was there, um, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal was there. There, there was there was these celebrities who were there. They're, they were promoting their film, their independent film as well. Um, and it's great. You get to meet some of them. Like, hey, how's it going? And uh, some of them you talk, and some of them you don't. And it's just, it's just a lot of networking, man. It's, it's a lot of network. It's like a big film festival for an entire downtown city for seven days, and you're just passing business cards and watching people's films and watching people's pilots. And um, then you have your project. Where I remember we were shown at uh, three different theaters at three different time slots in front of a, a crowd of five, like 500 people just watching East La Brea in the first episode and then the third day uh, they were able to watch all three episodes and we got to talk about what was it like filming and where did we film and where did we think we were going to get distribution and uh, and that was another thing too we had people who were distributors who would come talk to us and would say like, you know, what do you, what do you think about the film? What do you think you want to see it in? What do you think, uh, you know, are, is there going to be a season two? Is, 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 you know, where do you think your characters are at? And stuff like that. So it's a lot of networking. It's, I want to say South by Southwest more of anything else is there is a very heavy, and this is something Marlon, I don't know if anyone's talked to you about this at all, or I'm pretty sure Andrew's talked about it, but in acting and especially in the industry one thing is the art but people got to talk about the business side of the show business yeah and that's what south by southwest was there was a lot of business with the show nice fuck like who do you know what project are you working on like are you available next month do you want to audition i'm working on this project i think you should write this like it was a lot of business a lot of networking yeah, a lot of networking. That's all. Honestly, that's all South by Southwest was. It was networking. Dope. Fuck yeah. Um. So, yo, dog. Couple more things before I let you go. So, uh, what are your what are your advice for upcoming actors and actresses that are pursuing theater, and especially those who are trying to go to LA, especially in 2020, moving forward? Like, what's your advice for actors now? Start writing. Uh. Write. Write your own plays. Uh. Write your own plays. Write your own shorts. Write your own digital series. I think there was there was a quote that it's it's barely hit me now after seven years. And and I luckily I got two short films and uh two independent films that I finished writing. But 
I think it was Dustin Hoffman who ended up saying, if you wait for Hollywood to get you and pick you up, you're going to wait forever. Right. Amen. So, amen. Amen. Woo. Just, just, just write your own stories, man. Write your own, like, dude, there, there's, there is no excuse anymore for people not to be able to make their own short film or their own digital series or their own, um, or pitch their independent film or digital series or short film to someone and get a group of friends and just film it. Like if, if, if you, if you love acting, if you love movie making, you do not need to go to actors access, go to like, uh, casting frontier, LA, LA casting, like any of that stuff, just write your own material. Right, what you love about because especially when you do the craft of acting, uh, like the majority of actors that I know is very cathartic, and it's very you're you're doing it because there's there's a it's a culture, it's a healing, it's a piece of society that's necessary, mm-hmm. and we need this piece of society right now. Oh yeah, like we're hungry for for inspiration, we're hungry for hope, we're hungry for humanity we're hungry for resilience we're hungry for inspiration like we 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 need culture we need art we need stories to keep us alive to keep our spirit and our soul thriving because the current world external world right now is we're we're in this pandemic and i think right now honestly is the best time to sit down and write your story mm. and if not perform monologues with your phone mm. amen and i think i think there's a lot of stuff that we can do there's you marlon you know this as well as i do that you're anyone who gets into acting you're never gonna stop learning you're never gonna stop learning until the day you die amen. there's so many books there's so many teachers there's so many methods there's so many systems there's so many techniques there's so many venues and avenues and places in the world like the acting is a never-ending journey and thanks and, uh-huh. and and it's just just you know i i think all of that can be you can grow a lot of that you can grow your tool set you can grow your system you can grow your perspective on the craft of acting right now by reading books watching movies taking a master class going online writing or shit, even meditating about it. So yeah, so, you can still this this time can be spent polishing it up. Still, so. uh-huh. um, yeah, man. I guess you're right. You woke me up too. You woke me up because you know, to be honest, uh, right before the pandemic started, it would have been my ninth play, and um, I got my I got I got the lead role. You feel me? And yeah, I remember you I've, told me about I've, it. You were excited about it. I was. Uh, I got the. I got a chance to play an alcoholic that moves to LA to become a screenplay writer, but he yeah. he fails and he his addictions got the best of him, so he has to go back to San Diego and explain it. And um, you know, ever since the theaters the theater scene got canceled, you're right. I should be writing my own. Um, I should be. I definitely should uh, direct more energy into writing it. And I I wanted to ask like, um, for all those who's trying to move to LA. What can they expect in LA for those that have this dream to make it in LA and just what can what are the do's and don'ts coming to LA? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Oh man, that's a heavy question. I uh, I've met a lot of people from um, from outside of LA who try to get in the industry. Yeah, from everything, man. I've met I've met celebrities, veterans, uh, newcomers, uh, people who who are like me who are still trying to grow, and um, the don'ts. Um. I don't know where to begin. Look, honestly, this this is actually now being a veteran. This is something that I think we we as a discourse and a discussion needs to change. You don't have to be poor to be an actor. And, yeah. and what I mean what I mean by that is you don't have to put your finances on the back end. And it's like I gotta work three jobs to 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 pay for my three hundred dollars worth of acting classes that I only take four times a month. No, um, I remember taking a SAG after workshop about money management, and one of the things that I remember this class talked about, and it for me it had a lot of rationale and logic. You don't have creative freedom if you're stressed and you're 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 depressed and sad over your finances. Yeah, you gotta have your finances intact. You, the more stability you have with your finances, the more creative freedom you will have. Amen. And that's 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 the business and money financial side that people the the industry does not talk about because this is the thing as well that I see all the time. Transplants and people from LA they come in with this dream about becoming the next. Uh, Brad Pitt or the next uh, George Clooney, whatever it is, and they don't have the finances, and they don't have the the occupation to be able to support their their dream and their career. And what ends up happening is they stay here for six months, one year, and then they leave because they don't have their finances intact because they thought that they could work. Uh, like three again three jobs yeah. and, and 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 not not put their finances and their health in priority mm. like and this is another thing too that happens all the time as well that i've seen unfortunately you come to la and you 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 want to network but you're you you call drinking and smoking and partying as networking and you do that every weekend you're not doing yourself a service you drinking every weekend and smoking every weekend with friends i'm not judging but the thing is is that you doing that after so much so long time and this is coming from past alcoholic you drinking all the time on the weekend and networking the transition from networking to just weekend drinking and spending your time just drinking and hanging out instead of using that time to write or to audition or to read you lose your productivity as an artist mm. i believe that's my perspective super facts and so mm. coming here and and partying and and uh using the excuse of networking to party that you're not gonna make it you're not gonna make it and, and i use the the phrase not gonna make it or making it in the sense also in defining it of making it is what you define that as be it a consistent actor who auditions at least five to ten times a month or books five different roles in a year be it shorts independence or commercial films or, or a full feature film um 
you really have to define what making it is for you because you don't want to do a self-sabotaging uh have a self-sabotaging mentality because your definition of making it is being famous or you don't have a clear definition of what making it is for you exactly right and so i think those are the top 3 things have your have your finances stable have a savings i know it's not, it's so weird to hear that from from like when it comes to acting like what what the hell is this we're talking about finances like like having a savings and all like it makes a big difference i've heard this from sag after workshops from the beverly uh beverly playhouse from south by southwest south by southwest also had workshops acting and industry workshops and one of the workshops they had was financial independence for artists in basically emphasizing that you need to have your finances stable for you to have creative freedom so so one have your finances stable two um don't 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 uh waste your time and just partying and drinking and smoking and, and like be serious about it be di- be disciplined there you go that's the second thing be disciplined with your time and be disciplined with your networking you're going to have to learn how to network that's just part of the game but be but be disciplined how you network and be disciplined in general and then the last one is um uh define what making it is for you amen i i think those are the the top 3 for me advices i would give to to anyone who wants to get into the acting world especially the acting world here in LA so brother it's been a crazy tumultuous year man it's, it's been it's been it's been it's been it's been a one for the books this is a lot of turning points in the in the US history a lot of turning points going on in our society with racism police brutality the pandemic vaccination every everybody that we've lost this year brother like how has this year changed you as a man as an artist and just as a human being like what what are the things that you're taking away from this year i think i said it when we started this uh uh adaptability yeah and that so to be honest if you want to be a consistent working actor adaptability has to be a tool in your toolkit yeah. and i think this year has has set up the stage for people to learn or for people to adapt or for people to apply uh adaptability yeah or so yeah I, um i learned so i think uh, adaptability i've learned how to adapt um yeah. creatively financially spiritually physically uh, adaptability is one um patience yeah. you got to have patience man yeah. i got to have patience with myself you got to have patience with yourself every person who's an artist has to have patience with themselves um we don't know when this is going away and it's almost in a state of heart hibernation and it's kind of uh, like one of my best friends he ends up saying that everyone has just been placed on a timeout we're all on a timeout and now it's time to regroup reprioritize and focus on your life your honest life how can you focus 
and strengthen your foundation externally and internally to set you up to succeed. Amen. Um. So yeah, I think that's that's uh, patience is is something that we um, that's helped me a lot with this year. Um. And then the third thing, um, I think now especially. And, and we all need to talk about it. I, I believe that's why I was talking about it. But um, to, for people to realize you're not alone, uh, mental health, um, acting, writing, directing, filming is a beautiful, cathartic process. And it helps a lot of actors. You and me, we've talked about how we've been able to to use acting as an outlet for healing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, processing anger processing sadness depression oh yeah um but we need i believe we need to talk about our mental health what makes us anxious if 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 we're having difficulties with depression with sadness with loneliness and um either we need to learn and recognize those emotions and validate those emotions and accept those emotions to help us learn how to navigate them to trans trans um what's the word um to transform them into something positive or even better to learn about yourself from those emotions but i think right now mental health and the mind is something that every single person regardless of acting or the industry should should speak about we really should take this time to get to know ourselves actually man i think that's uh yeah i think that's that's the third thing that's that's very important at least for me that i've been focusing on this year nice yo man before i let you go where can we where can they find the films on amazon prime what what films can they find on amazon prime right now uh, on Amazon Prime, you could find In Echo Park. You could find Dinner for Couples. You could find um, Heist. That's uh, a digital series that just came out as well that I did. I play a villain. Um, I just ended up finishing a, a, a digital series as well. I guest starred in uh, The Rich and the Ruthless. That's it. on U- UMC. Um, and that's going to come out, I believe, in about... Um, uh, the Rich and the Ruthless, the TV show, it's on its fourth season. Uh, you could catch it online on, on the network UMC. Um, you could catch uh, Rip and Burn 1 and 2 on YouTube. Yo, all my people, y'all gotta see that. Y'all gotta see Rip and Burn, all right? Part, especially part two, that shit is ill, but go ahead. And, and then um, uh, the biggest one, I always promote it because just it's, it's really beautiful and, and it's, it's free. Um, East of La Brea. East of La Brea, you can catch it uh, on Powder Cake's, uh, Powder Cake's profile on Instagram. Nice. Just go literally type in East of La Brea and you can watch all six episodes, 12, 10 minutes each for the first season, all online for free. I, I, definitely man y'all saw me reshare that throughout the throughout the months for 2020 for sure powder keg tv um I'm, thanks for thanks to everybody that that clicked on that whenever i reshare that shit you know we gotta help the homies out you know 
And Marlon, dude, I, I gotta, gotta help. thank you so much, man. Thank you so much for promoting that. Thank you so much. As much as you say that I helped you in continuing, you have helped me and being able to remind me all the time why I've done acting, why I continue to do acting. Oh, man. And it's beautiful to see another brown man succeeding in acting and getting lead plays and having his cathartic moments and processes for acting and mastering the craft of acting. So my hat goes off to you, sir. Man, I'm, I'm proud of you. I, I'm proud of you. I hope you realize that, but I'm very proud of you for continuing acting and you got so much more ahead oh, of you, brother. Man, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being a mentor. Thank you so much for being there when I needed to be encouraged. Thank you so much for being there when I was doubting myself and believing in me, bro. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you for bumping the album and supporting the album. And, yeah. And, and all the... Boom, boom, bro. <laughs> Check that out. Boom, boom, bro. That's my favorite song. <laughs> all the guidance and the mentorship, uh, you, Anna the family has shown me you guys are the best you know ladies and gents like even though i'm from the ox there's some people in san diego that hold me down you know that 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 are like i treat them like family because you know i'm around them a lot like family you know like and uh they they vouch for me for their family you know they just got my back like people that don't have to have my back but guess what they still have my back they don't have yes, they don't have to but they do you know yeah. not because they have to either but they want to um yeah. and i really believe god blesses me with people that that reignites the fire and keeps me encouraged man it's not easy to be in this industry it's not easy to be brown skin doing this man when i when i see someone else successfully at it running things too don't, don't get it fucked up all right Mm-hmm. Um, running things too and and uh, getting respect out here it makes me proud and it makes me feel good man I'm happy for you um, yo I'm, I'm gonna hit you back when we hang up right now alright I'm gonna hit you back alright right, brother I appreciate the time thank you for doing this keep up the good work Marlon and we'll stay in touch brother Andy-